It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGillick. Well, the weekend is here, and what a great long weekend it is going to be. Let's start with the games that the Blue Jackets have on the schedule. First, the Los Angeles Kings are here to take on the Blue Jackets tonight. Tomorrow, the Boston Bruins are here. Rick Nash will have his number 61 hoisted to the rafters and retired for the first time in franchise history. A player has his number retired tomorrow night. Also, former captain Nick Foligno will make his return with the Boston Bruins to Nationwide Arena. And then on Monday, the Toronto Maple Leafs come to town. Three games in four days, and what a three games it's going to be for the Blue Jackets. Welcome to CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Today, I don't want to glance over the L.A. game, so I'll talk about that in just a moment here, but today's show will be focused on what's going to happen tomorrow when Rick Nash gets his number retired. There will be some special guests that are in the building and one that's not going to be in the building that I'm going to talk to today. First of all, I'll talk with my old broadcast partner, George Matthews, about his memories of Rick Nash, and he called all of his Blue Jackets goals then Pascal LeClaire, former Blue Jackets goaltender, who is very good friends with Rick. And finally, Mike Commodore, the former Blue Jackets defenseman, who also is a trade day expert. Not a day trading expert, a trade deadline day expert. He's going to talk to me before we're all said and done here today. So it's longer than 30 minutes. I'll give you the heads up on that, but it is worth every single second of your attention. First, I've got to tell you about the fine people over at Telhio Credit Union. At Telhio Credit Union, they've been servicing their customers in a great way for a long, long, long time. That's why they're still around. That's why they're still in business. They are not only there for their customers, they're there for the community as well, giving back to the communities that they are in in Central and Southwestern Ohio. It has been a staple of the business that they do from day one. They've never changed that. So if you would like to know, why should I join a credit union instead of just staying at my bank? The answer to that question and all of your questions can be found at tellhio.org. Just go through, look at the different services that they offer, the perks that they offer along with those services. Maybe it's personal banking that you're looking for. Maybe it's something with your business. They can help you out every step of the way. If you can't find the answer to the question on the website, if it's during regular business hours, there's a live chat option. Click on that and somebody will pop up right on the screen to help you find what it is that you are looking for. Tell Ohio Credit Union, as I said, they serve everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. All right, let's talk about this weekend and the game facing the Blue Jackets tonight. The Blue Jackets come into this game against the Kings after really grinding out a 4-3 to win on Tuesday over the New Jersey Devils. Now you've got an L.A. Kings team coming in here that lost a couple of nights ago. They were in Dallas, and they lost by one goal. Uh, they're a team that they're rebounding right now, the L.A. Kings. They really are. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were kind of rebuilding and trying to you know, get the right mix of players once again. I would say that they have done that because as they come into this game tonight, they are in second place in the Pacific Division. They are just five points behind Calgary. They are just a couple of points ahead of the, or actually one point ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights, but they have a record of 29-19-7 on the year, so they've been playing very well. The guy that leads them in goals is Adrian Kempe. He's got 25 goals on the season, 
And if that's a surprise to you and you say, well, I would have bet Andrzej Kopitar would be the goal leader. Well, he may not be the goals leader. In fact, he's down by 10. He's only got 15 goals. However, he does have 35 assists for a total of 50 points. So he leads the team in that category. So this is not going to be a pushover game tonight for the Blue Jackets. And with all of the hoopla that's going on tomorrow, it would be very easy to lose your focus on what is happening tonight. But the Blue Jackets, as they come into this game, here we are in March. And actually this year, there's still two months left in the schedule because normally we're looking at the regular season ending in early April. It doesn't end until late April. But the Blue Jackets are in a spot where they can legitimately take a look ahead and they can say, well, you know, we're in the discussion. We're in the conversation. And that's because the Blue Jackets are the first team out of the wild card spot right now. They're chasing the Washington Capitals. There are eight points separating the two teams. That's a lot. But the Blue Jackets have been on a tear. And we've seen them get on a roll. We've seen them go ahead and win four out of five games and seven out of eight games. And all of a sudden, you're picking up a lot of points at one time. So who's to say? So this game is extremely important for the Blue Jackets tonight to take the Kings seriously, be ready to play your game, and get the points that are on the table. Zach Wierenski practiced yesterday. It appears he's going to play tonight, and that is great news. The Blue Jackets have been without him for four games. They've won two of the four, and that's awesome. But, hey, the fact of the matter is you're a better team when Zach Wierenski plays, and hopefully he is back in that lineup for the Blue Jackets tonight. So, uh, again, it's just about doing what you've got to do. Play the game that you got to play. They have become stingy defensively. They've been doing a good job getting uh, stick on stick, sticks in the passing lanes, blocking shots, redirecting shots, whatever it takes. That's what we've seen this team do over the course of the past couple of weeks. So they just need to do it again against the Kings tonight, and then they can look ahead to the Boston Bruins tomorrow. But I can look ahead to that very special night with you right now because it's going to be a first. There has never been a player that has had his number retired in the history of the Columbus Blue Jackets. That changes tomorrow night when Rick Nash stands on the ice and the number 61 banner goes up to the rafters. And there's a lot of pomp. There's a lot of circumstance. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of excitement. And I'm looking forward to it. I really am looking forward to that entire ceremony. By the way, just in case you haven't heard, and I know I've said it before, but I'll tell you again, make sure that you're in your seat at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon because the ceremony will start at 5.45. The game's going to get underway at 7.30. The ceremony will start at 5.45, and and it's worth it to sit there and kind of just drink it all in. The players will be doing the same thing. They'll be on the bench, and they'll be watching all of this happen. They will not have to warm up until after the ceremony is over. So everybody's going to be a fan. Everybody's going to be there to show their appreciation for Rick Nash, the career that he had, and especially that big part of his career when he was a Columbus Blue Jacket, when he represented the Blue Jackets in every single thing that he did when many nights he was the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's what we'll celebrate tomorrow night. Um, there are a couple of guys that are coming back to town to see Rick and be here for his celebration. One of those is former defenseman Mike Commodore. Another is former goaltender Pascal LeClaire. I'm going to talk to those two in just a moment, but I cannot start off this show in any better way than to get together right now with my former broadcast partner, the guy that showed me the ropes in the National Hockey League. Here is George Matthews. I can tell you right now, there is nobody that has ever count the cash with Rick Nash more than George Matthews, who I am with right now as we lead up to Rick Nash, uh, Jersey retirement night, number retirement night 
coming up on Saturday. George, um, you pretty much called them all for him with the Blue Jackets, did you not? All his goals? Well, for the most part, I think so, uh, Bob. Um, I'm thinking you were there for a few games as well, but um, for his career, for the most part, was the time frame that I was there. And uh, certainly during the time frame that uh, I was in Columbus from 2000, 2013, over the, that time frame, he was, uh, he was certainly an attractive player for, for the fan base. He was a, a, a player that um, in the league was certainly uh, recognizable as far as the CBJ brand was concerned. But uh, again, throughout the league, I, I, I'm believing that they were excited to have a, a, a player like that with Columbus because being an expansion franchise and not that many wins early, um, obviously in the franchise's history, he was a marketable player, not only in Columbus, but also around the NHL as far as the Jackets were concerned. And I wanted to ask you about that. Take me back to that draft where the Blue Jackets trade up to get Rick first overall and just how much of a change that was to be able to get a player of that caliber at that time, just the excitement level during that draft in particular. Well, for Rick Nash, he would be the third first round pick for the, for the Jackets. Um, obviously, just going back through the, the early stages of the franchise that first year, uh, with Rusty Plessler, the Jackets never did get the option in their expansion year to draft either first or second. Those first two positions went to the uh, lowest seeding teams from the previous season. It would be Minnesota and Columbus that would have the option of the third or fourth pick overall with Rusty Klesla. And that was a flip of the coin. Minnesota won uh, the flip of the coin and would take the entry draft and would draft um, uh, Marion Gabrick, I do believe, with that third pick in that first year. In that opening season, the uh, the Jackets played pretty well, and they ended up perhaps moving up into the standings a little higher. I think they finished in the low 70s, 71, 72 points thereabouts, and they got their eighth pick uh, of that um, first full season in Pascal LeClaire, who you would be familiar with. So that was their first two picks. And then it came into their second full season where they finished third last in the league. And uh, at that point, um, Rick Nash was, was a player that everybody um, – around the NHL scene would have been uh, very happy to, to be able to acquire at six foot four and 215 pounds thereabouts scoring winger. So he was sitting there with third um, general manager, Doug McLean decided that uh, he would make a, a trade with uh, the Florida Panthers and would move up two slots for that first pick overall. Uh, and he uh, made a, uh, that trade with Florida uh, with Rick Dudley. And it would be the, uh, it's an historic pick for the Jackets overall uh, because it, he would be, Rick Nash would be the only uh, first overall pick uh, in the entry draft that the Jackets would ever acquire. And uh, obviously it was a pretty sound one. Yeah, it was a really sound pick. I was just thinking when you were talking about that whole thing, in today's National Hockey League, if Rick Nash is available at the top of the board, I don't know if anybody trades him. I just, I, I don't know if they make that trade in today's game. I think you take that guy. I need a defenseman. So what? I'll figure out how to get a defenseman. I'm taking this guy. Well, and Rick Nash, Bobby, you called the games at the AHL level at that time. You know how hard the, the game was to compete physically, uh, the, the hooking and the physical play that would be involved with, uh, with, you know, the style of play at the pro level, whether it was the AHL or the NHL at the time. And, and when Rick Nash played at six foot four, 215 pounds, if you look back in his career, I'm thinking that a huge majority of the goals were, were those of like a power driving uh, winger, 
driving to the net or busting through traffic. You didn't see a lot of skilled, uh, finesse uh, type of goals from Rick Nash. Uh, there's the odd one that, uh, of course, if you look back at his top 10 goals of his career, he tucks it in between the legs, which you see today almost on a, a routine basis. But those goals were really unusual in the early 2000s. It was a power driving physical game up through 2005 and six. The NHL has changed its style of play since then. But uh, for Rick Nash, I mean, he's a, he's a, a player that physically had to, to work his way through the, the traffic to the net. That's where a lot of his goals were scored. And you can recall as well, I mean, he was almost a point per game player uh, in his NHL career, uh, 800 plus points and just a little over a thousand games. But when Rick Nash played, of course, as it's so difficult in the National Hockey League, even in 2022, is to get a number one center and a number one winger with you. There's always pairings of some sort that coaching staffs would like to get with any line combination that's significant on their team. When Rick Nash played, uh, you know, the, the top end young talent wouldn't be on the roster that potentially the Jackets are moving through that phase now of getting, uh, you know, younger and good young talent coming forth here. But when Rick Nash played, he was the go-to guy every night. And uh, with the video and the coaching styles and the preparation of the NHL, it was to shut down Rick Nash. And then let's see what the other two guys that are with them, what they can do on, on the finished part of their game. So he had a, uh, he was a, a hot button topic every night that, you know, Columbus played somebody else because he, he was going to have to work for every goal that he scored because he was the focus defensively for every opponent that the, that the uh, Jackets played. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, today's game is still the same way. We see that with Patrick Line at times. Uh, if the other guys on his line aren't going, they just double team him, and and that just makes life much more difficult. You know, and speaking of that, you know, Rick was so good. And he did so many good things here, and it wasn't that there was an attempt to find him another guy to have that, you know, that 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 bang bang two you know two man punch. Not like, easy. No, not, not easy, easy at all. I mean, yeah. so many. There have been some teams that have been able to do it ironically, or maybe not, those teams have championships, but you know, for Rick, they just never found him that guy. They could never get, get somebody to kind of share the load there. Right. And that's no disrespect of anybody who plays in the NHL. There's certain levels of players that we're talking about here. Right. And with, uh, with Rick Nash, he was an elite level. Um, that balance is a, as another forward combination, just never for the most part was there in most of his, uh, you know, jacket career. And again, just referencing back what I was saying, he had to earn every point and every goal that he got because, you know, defensively, he was the guy that was going to get double team coverage almost every night. So it was just, uh, it just, uh, he didn't get those openings that a lot of, you know, scoring stars might get in a free, uh, free flowing game that we see in the NHL today. He had to work for everything that he got and, and uh, good on him. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a great jacket and um, it's certainly great to see him. Uh, get this honor on Saturday night. Talking with George Matthews, the former radio voice of the Blue Jackets, right from the beginning out of the shoot, George was here and, and saw Rick Nash's career as a Blue Jacket. You talk about uh, defensively with Rick Nash. He credits Ken Hitchcock. His arrival here is what made him, I was going to say taught him, but I think with Ken Hitchcock, made him become a two-way player, which obviously made him a much better player. Uh, even when he left here and he went to the Rangers, he went to the Stanley Cup final. All of those lessons that he put into his game helped him to get to where he went to in his career, didn't it? Correct. Uh, obviously, as you get to that level, uh, he got to the National Hockey League as, a, as the number one pick overall in the draft because of his skill set and his physical presence and, 
and uh, the abilities to be able to put the puck in the net, get to the goal and generate a little crease chaos when, when that was going to happen, you know, and uh, we've seen lots of those goals, but uh, he needed that uh, systematic style of coaching that Ken Hitchcock would provide as he, as Hitchcock has provided for many uh, teams and players, molding that player into a team player. And he became that under Ken Hitchcock. And of course, uh, eventually the Jackets do get to the playoffs uh, after uh, nine seasons with, with Rick Nash and, and uh, Steve Mason, uh, Ken Hitch, uh, Ken, uh, rather Ken Hitchcock behind the bench. That combination did eventually get to the playoffs. But when you're a young player in the National Hockey League, you're not a complete player. There's a lot of things that you got to figure out uh, to, be, to be a good pro and to play the team game at the pro level. And that's what Ken Hitchcock would bring to Rick Nash's, uh, his hockey style of play that eventually would make him even more valuable. And, and, uh, but when I look back at Rick Nash, Bob, and I, I see the input, um, you know, he, uh, to win the, the Rocket Richard uh, trophy as a 19 year old, his second season in the league uh, with Aginla and Kovalchuk, I think in that second year, they each had in the low forties, 41 or 42 goals, I do believe. And to see that, you know, the magnitude of that in the, in the marketplace, such as Columbus um, in the national hockey league it was great to see a, a young player like that get, um, you know, that rocket Richard early in his career, but what that did for the product and the game in Columbus, Ohio, uh, overall, the central uh, part of Ohio, uh, they sold out the first three years, night after night, but eventually you're going to have to sell the on ice product. And uh, Rick Nash would give the, the brand um, uh, in Columbus, in Ohio, and around the, the, uh, the NHL would give the uh, CBJ brand another level uh, of recognition and to see the growth of the game in my time frame there from the early 2000s where the game was a little bit of a novelty game. Um, obviously football rules in Columbus and Ohio, but uh, with Rick Nash and, and what he was getting national recognition for and scoring, uh, you know, I think in his nine years, his first nine years, he had seven 30 goal seasons uh, along with the 17 and his rookie season, another 27 goal season, seven seasons of 30. He was a scoring star in the national hockey league. And, to see what that did for the uh, Columbus marketplace and the growth of the game minor hockey wise. I, I remember doing broadcasts with you and, and with uh, Bill Davich and talking about, man, is this going to be great for the growth of the game? And I said, you know, within 20 years, we're going to see a young kid from Columbus make it in the National Hockey League. I missed by five or six or seven years. They were in the NHL in 12 or, 12 or 13 years. And I mean, we've got a couple of, you know, local Columbus uh, residents playing for their hometown team. How special is that? But I think that, you know, the profile of, of a Rick Nash and a star, everybody in Columbus that played the game wanted to be number 61, you know? And uh, I always wanted to be Johnny Bauer, a guy you've never heard of before. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, everybody has a star. And, and in Columbus, everybody wanted to be Rick Nash and number 61. You couldn't go to a game that the bowl wouldn't just be covered with 61 jerseys. And it was great that the team and he existed for the time frame that they did. It's a different NHL today. The scoring stars can move on from team to team pretty quick. But we were lucky enough to have a guy like uh, Rick Nash uh, playing Columbus for the, the time frame that he did. And, you know, great player, but as you know, a great guy as well. No doubt about that. I got to tell you, I was going through some of your old highlights the other day, looking for uh, stuff for Saturday. And I went through that goal that he scored uh, that got him a share of the Rocket Richard trophy that year, the 41st yes. goal that he scored. Yep. 
I didn't realize that he scored it against Manny Legacy. <laughs> so I immediately yes, flipped I, the goal. No, you wouldn't do that. And texted it to Manny Legacy. And <laughs> yeah, said, I know. Look yeah. what I ran across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you. I can't tell you what he said back because it's unerrable. But yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. did have a good chuckle about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was kind of funny. And again, it's it's kind of weird. Not just sports. Uh, it happens a lot in sports, but in life. It's funny how what goes around comes around, right? Because now Manny Legacy is the goaltending coach for the Blue Jackets. Rick Nash is the director of player development. But yet in that moment, it was Rick Nash rising to a new height in his career and Manny Legacy was on the wrong end of it. Well, you know, when you cross the bridge, you don't want to burn it because you never know where it's going to come around to nail you again. And it's a small world. The NHL professional sports is, is uh, at every level. Uh, it's a small world, despite the fact, uh, you know, you think it's bigger. Man, you uh, you know, back now uh, doing major junior hockey uh, here in the east coast of Canada, my home city, I see so many former jackets and and uh, Derek Dorsett was in here just a while ago. And um, it just uh, the storylines and the stories of people and players and Tyler Wright and all these types of guys that you see around now. And it, uh, uh, you don't want to burn too many bridges along the way, because, again, you're going to come in contact with people uh, eventually in this small industry. And. Uh, Rick Nash burnt no bridges that I know of his career. Just a, uh, I think he was uh, he was a made to fit uh, star player for the Columbus Marketplace when he was there. Good guy, likes to give back to the community and uh, battle through uh, battle through whatever he had to battle to uh, to become or try to make the franchise as, as successful personally as he could. And I think he did everything he could to try to make the franchise a winner. Of course, it was a sad day when he was traded to the New York Rangers. Yeah. There's no question about that. And you know, ironically, now we have the ability of hindsight to look back at how everything worked out in all of that. When Rick left, he said that he felt that the Blue Jackets could actually get better by dealing him somewhere. And that's that's exactly what happened when it was all said and done. You know, uh, Brandon Dubinsky and yep. Artem Nisimov and Tim Erickson and a first round pick come over. And eventually, a couple of years later, Dubinsky's scoring late to tie the Penguins in a playoff game, and the Blue Jackets go on to win that playoff game. Uh, it did all work out that way, and things worked great for Rick in New York and then a little bit there in Boston after he went to the Bruins. But I would you agree with me that it was just written in the stars that Rick Nash was going to wind up back in central Ohio and be a part of this Columbus community? Well, uh, you know what? He... Uh... You know, he plays with, when he leaves Columbus, he plays with two original six franchises. It doesn't get much better than, uh, you know, in any sport uh, to play with some of the original long history teams. And you've got Boston and New York. And uh, he could have fit into both those marketplaces and retired in Boston, which is a great sports city. He could have retired in and around New York on the East Coast if he wanted to, or he could have went back to Southern Ontario. But, you know, as I said this in, in all my time frame uh, period of, in Columbus, I thought, I thought the central Ohio area, I thought Columbus was a terrific marketplace. It's a great place to, to, to live. I don't see many players that they are given the option of wanting to leave. Um, you know, some come back and be tired there. And uh, he, knew, he knows what Columbus is all about. It's a growing, uh, thriving city in the Midwest now. And he um, he wanted to make, I think, Columbus home. Now, it's not far from his home in southern Ontario either. There's, there's a nice connect there as well. But, uh, you know, he he obviously, like many players and management people and and, and broadcasters, uh, all think Columbus is, is a great city to live in. And he's made Columbus a home. And, and 
he's better for that. And Columbus is better for that as well. All right, George, before I let you go, you mentioned here just a moment ago about still calling major junior hockey in uh, at on Prince Edward Island there. And some people might not be fully aware of what you're doing. Maybe they thought you just kicked up your feet. You got out of the game. You just can't do that. Can you? That's, that's not in your yeah. blood. No, no, that's right. I came back at, uh, at 60 years of age here. And um, when I came back, the franchise was getting a rebranding. Gives me a chance to, to sleep in my own bed. Uh, I still enjoy the game. I still follow the jackets. Um, and to broadcast major junior hockey. It's a different game at the major junior level. Uh, and as I moved up into the NHL level, and you probably found it as well, Bob, it's a, it's a much easier game to call at the NHL level because the passes that are supposed to be on the stick are on the stick. I can hear at major junior, I can give giveaways, turnovers, errors, doesn't hit the connected receiver, incomplete, and they haven't gone from blue line to blue line. <laughs> so, anyway, it, it's a different game to call, but I enjoy, I enjoy doing the local brand. The people appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm enjoying that as well. I still miss working with you and being around the NHL scene and whatever like that, but you gotta, it's a payoff one way or the other. And I'm enjoying doing what I'm doing, how long I'll do it. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, as long as I think I've got the vocal cords and I've got some health, I enjoy the energy of the game and the excitement that it brings. And no matter whatever level you're at, if the game is competitive, it's fun to watch. I agree with you on that. And, I've seen competitive games. I've seen some uncompetitive games at the NHL level, as have you. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Those are the top. Those are the days I miss you the most. You know that? They really well, are. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know what? And, and that's part of this. That's part of what you and I do. And it's trying to, to bring the entertainment value to the broadcast night in and night out. Some nights it's tougher. We have to work a little harder at it, but it's never not fun. And when, the, when you leave the broadcast booth that night and you look at uh, what you've accomplished, uh, as the voice now with the, with the blue jackets, um, uh, you know, you don't call a win every night, but it's still nice to be where you're at win or lose or even tie. Well, I guess there's no ties anymore. Does the overtime wins or losses? <laughs> no, absolutely. Right. Well, tell you what, George, I miss you very much. Thanks for taking the time to uh, talk about Rick Nash on a very special night here. I hope to see you back here at nationwide arena soon. And the next time you come that number 61 will be hanging from the rafters. hundred percent. Really, really happy to see it happen. Bob. Thanks for everything. That is George Matthews, and it's so great to hear his voice back on our airwaves, even if they're digital airwaves. It doesn't matter. It's great to have George back on again. Right now, let's bring in another old goalie. Ah, he's not really old, but he is a former goalie for the Blue Jackets. He's also a former first-round pick of the Blue Jackets. Here is Pascal Leclerc. Pascal, just tell me what Rick Nash meant to you. When you entered the Blue Jackets organization, you guys played together uh, what did he mean to you as a player, as a friend, as a teammate? Uh, well, the first, I'm, I'm just one year older than him, right? So he came in the draft. Uh, so uh, first of all, I remember him as a friend because we, we grew up in the organization together, training, uh, training in the summer. And then obviously Rick made the team right off the bat because he's such a, such a special players. And I remember, uh, uh, Aaron Johnson uh, and myself coming in in the, the summer training and we, we would stay at Rick's house and uh, just like three young guys trying to make it and uh, Rick was already part of the team and we just wanted to join him as uh, as quick as possible because uh, we, we became uh, really, really good close friends and uh, um, 
and just starting on the ice, obviously, it's uh, you could see right off the bat that how special he was going to be. He was, uh, I mean, my first year was our best player, and uh, he scored 41 goals that year. Um, and you could see right away that he was, uh, you know, he's going to be our leader and he's going to be there for a while. And and it's, uh, you know, that's what I remember the most. We're trying to, you know, such a good guy. So we want to be part of it. And it was fun to be uh, to be part of that group. But especially Rick was our leader and he was the guy that's, that was setting the pace for everybody. So when you were, um, you know, when your goal is a little bit different, but let's say that you're, you're the backup in a particular game. You got a front row seat to watch one of the best players in the world. I mean, were you yeah. were you ever just kind of shocked or just in awe of some of the things he could do with the puck? Yeah, yeah, big, especially for a, for a big guy, you know, like uh, and sometimes it was not always easy for Rick because we were an expansion team and we were starting and we didn't have a lot. He was our go-to guy, so uh, I, I can assume that a lot of the the game plans from the from the other teams were around. Let's let's contain Rick Nash, and then we'll see. Then we'll take care of the other guys. And uh, you like it or not, that that was the way. So he was, uh, especially in practice. I mean, like obviously when you're not flying, you see him stuff. He would do special things in in games. But uh, every day on the ice in practice, what he could do with like every day he would do something special. You know, with his reach, with his. Uh, Hockey sense, uh, the way, and Rick was a good skater too. So uh, I don't think people realize that that he he, he was a he was fast out there. Um, so yeah, every day he could do something, and then uh, I think year by year you could see whenever too. I remember when he would play on the on national team on Team Canada uh, at the World Championship. Uh, he was one of the best players in the country. So. Uh, yeah, as a goalie, it wasn't always fun, but we always try to play games with it, and he got my number pretty much more more often than I got his. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, he had to be a good skater, right? Because the way the game was played then, there was still the hooking and the holding that was pretty much allowed. Could you imagine a young Rick Nash playing in the National Hockey League today with the way the game is played? You'd be able to see how fast he is. Oh, yeah, and you probably would have put up more points, too. I mean, that's... Uh, uh, I think that one of the greatest uh, strength of Rick is like he was such a team player, and I mean he was not like a puck hugger. Like he would give us, he, he he would distribute the puck around the ice, and uh, you know use use his teammates as much as he could. Uh, and I think that came from to the kind of human he was. He's one of the best uh, people I've met in the game, and uh, you know I got lucky. I was his roommate for four years, so I'll spare you the. The smart things we did off <laughs> the ice. Um, but he was such a good player, such a good teammate, that the, um, and a smart smart player as well. So obviously in the game game today, I think he would have put up more points, uh, just the way he played the game, such an offensive guy. But as he went on, he became more and more of a complete player as well. I know Hitch uh, helped him quite a bit with that. Uh, and that's I think that's why maybe at the end he wasn't putting as many points, but he's one of them one of the greatest skill guys I've ever seen. So that actually worked out well for him because when you said Hitch helped him, I don't think Hitch ever gave a guy a choice. He was going to help yeah. you be that kind of player. Right. But, but then he left playing for Hitch. He went to the Rangers. He played for John Tortorella. So he already knew how to play that way. Oh yeah. No, but you know, Rick was good. Like uh, in, in, in every zone, obviously when you're a young player, it's like no different. Like it doesn't matter. You have to learn the game. You have to learn the, the way you play in the NHL. That's, 
you come out a junior, you're pretty much when you're a good player and junior, you pretty much do whatever you want, right? So uh, you just open the door and then they let you go. It's all right, let's make us win. But then uh, in the NHL, it's you playing against men and you're growing and as you got to get like in a better shape and get stronger. And that's all be, being part of that and playing like being good in the tree zones. It's, it's, it's part of it. But uh, uh, he was always willing to do it. And I remember what, one thing I remember more about, uh, about Rick is like he cared. He really wanted that team to do well. And he put a lot of pressure on himself uh, to, to contribute and produce uh, and do what it was needed for the team to win games. He's, uh, I remember one, one year he was in the slump. I think he, he, he went around like 15 games uh, without a goal. And they, he would not sleep at night. He was worried and not because of himself, but he, he knew that if he wasn't doing well, then the team would struggle. So that was the kind of guy he was. And, and uh, uh, I think that made him even more special. So from everything you've said, I would imagine that you are not surprised that this day has come where number 61 is going to go to the rafters at Nationwide Arena. Oh, no, no, not that. I was just kind of, a, let's see when, just pick a date, right? <laughs> and uh, and I think from day one, I think that's what what's great about him too. He, he came in with a lot of pressure uh, going in uh, in a younger organization. He was a first overall pick. And then being able to deliver with all that kind of pressure. Uh, class act too, you know, like you, you, you've known him for several years. He's one of the best guy around. Uh, polite, good on and off the ice in the community. He lives in Columbus. Uh, so I don't think you can find a guy too that he, somebody that's going to tell something bad about Rick Nash. No, I, I think it's impossible. Um, so, and you put this with everything you did on the ice for the franchise and being the captain and on and on and on. It's just like pick a date, you know, it, it's normal. And I think it's just, uh, it was just going to happen. So we're all excited. I think as former teammates to be part of that and uh, it'll be a fun night on Saturday night. Talking with Pascal LeClaire, former Blue Jackets goaltender, and uh, you're coming in, you're going to do the old fly in, go to the ceremony, get back out again. Uh, we were yeah. talking just before we started this. You said it's almost like a wedding, right? You come in, you see a bunch of friends, and maybe you only see them for five minutes, but you get to see them. No, well, I get to see him. And then we still we still text once in a while. I remember, too, when he played with the, the end with the Rangers, whenever he came to Montreal, like we would go out for dinner. And I mean, like I said before, Rick was my roommate for four years. So uh, I got to know his family as well. So I'm looking forward to see uh, everybody on this side. Uh, we became I became friends with a, a few uh, few members of his family. So it'd be fun to see everybody. Uh, I haven't seen his kids yet. I've seen them on pictures. I, I've seen them in New York a little bit, but they were they, they were small when he played his 1,000th game. I was there for that too. So uh, looking forward to see how the, uh, like you said, it's like more of a family thing now. Yes, he's going to have his ceremony and it's great. But for us, it's a, for me, it's a, it's a chance to see him and to spend some good time. And also some former teammates. That's what I've been part of the, the ceremony in, um, in Ottawa with uh, Chris Phillips and the, uh, uh, Daniel Alfredson, they're like you said, they're a wedding. You know, we have a few a uh, few drinks. We tell old stories. We get to see you too, maybe. And then uh, I mean, they're they're just fun. It's uh, but for him, I think it'll be great, and I think it'll be special to whenever you go in the nationwide arena. It's to see his number uh, in the in, in the rooftop. It'll it'll be a, quite a treat uh, for him and his family. 
Yeah, one of those old teammates you'll see is a guy you mentioned earlier, Aaron Johnson, who's back working with the organization. Yeah. I, I saw him yesterday. <laughs> he's, is he he's good caught, at his job? He is excellent at his job. He really right. is. And I saw him <laughs> yesterday, and he was buzzing all around, and I just looked at him, and I said, Aaron, how happy will you be when Saturday night is over? And he goes, oh, I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> so you're going to have a lot more fun than he is because he's been working for a long time leading up. To no, that. I know. But, you know, that, that, that's cool that he's there, too, because like I said, like we were the, like the three amigos, you know, when we were young, like with Johnny. And then we had such a good time on and off the ice. And it's great to, to, to have him back to uh, in, the, in the organization and uh no i know he's working hard uh, he texted me a few things and uh, like he says so are we gonna have time to, to go for dinner or something no not till after the game but all right so yeah he he is an attention to detail guy i will tell you that there's no question well, more 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 than when he played oh, I hope so. <laughs> hey what are you uh what are you doing with yourself now what's uh what's your life look like now well, I have two young kids now. I have two daughters, like six years old and three years old. So they're uh, they, that's pretty much my main job. <laughs> and then uh, I've started this year doing some uh, some uh, analyst. I'm an analyst on TVA Sports now, so on the late night show. So I go once or twice a week, and obviously we we cover the Canadians quite a bit. It's the big talk of the town here in Montreal. Uh, but I like it, you know. I uh, when I retired, I tried TV a little bit and I wasn't really ready for it just mentally. And then now I think it's a good time and uh, uh, to get back out there. And then uh, there's a great, we have a great team there. A lot of former uh, players to come on the show. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's been really fun and I've been enjoying it. And so far, hopefully uh, I can do it for several years. So. See, now you're an expert. Now, once you're a broadcaster, you know. Always everything. been an expert, you know. <laughs> I wasn't the time that we were together in Syracuse. I, I'm a master of hockey. I thought you knew that. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I've just forgotten. I'm sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> well, it's great. Uh, you still play at all? Oh, yeah, beer league. I'm going right now. Like, I'm playing puck-moving defenseman with no feet. So, I'm just trying I'm just trying the long pass all the time, even when it's not there. <laughs> That's right. Breakout. Right up the middle. The breakout's yeah. up the middle. Watch those. And I'm good. I'm good on the bench and in the room, you know, that's my main skills. I, I do have to ask you one thing. Do you ever shot block? But you know what? Like I, I, I have stopped doing it because like it's a reflex. <laughs> then uh, when I first started playing, I would always get bruises on my hands and I try to stuff puck with the feet and all I've stayed away. I have uh, no intensity at all. Now I found my groove and uh, I'm staying in it. It's, let, let's put it that way. Hitch would like would hate me as a player. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me the goalie would say, "Please get out of the way. Let me do the job. Just move." I'm never. No, I'm never in the way now. <laughs> <laughs> never in the way. Yeah. Well, Pascal, thanks so much for uh, talking to me about Rick. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm glad you get to come back to Columbus. I'm glad you get to be a big part of this that's going on this weekend. And uh, hey, it's great to talk, my friend. I can't wait to see you up close yeah. and in person. Thanks, buddy. Always a treat, and we'll have a great weekend. It'll be fun. So we're looking forward to to be in town and uh, uh, and be on the, at the game on uh, Saturday. So it'll be cool. That is former Blue Jackets goaltender Pascal LeClaire. Right now, I'm joined by a guy that was a defenseman for the Blue Jackets when they went to the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time in franchise history. Now he's kind of reinvented himself through Twitter, especially when it comes to trade deadline day. Please welcome to the show, 
Mike Commodore. Well, Mike, it is good to talk to you. It's been a long time since I've seen you or I talked to you, and I, I was thrilled to find out you were coming back for Rick Nash's number retirement. Uh, tell me some things about playing with Rick. Back in those days when you were with the Blue Jackets, uh, Rick was your teammate, Rick was your captain. You know, what was, the, what was it in your mind that made Rick Nash so special? Yeah. Um, you know, the first time I ever met Rick, I played against him a little bit, but the first time I ever met Rick actually was before I was with a couple of years before I was in Columbus. Uh, I played with Rick for team Canada at, at the world championships. And I mean, we won the gold medal. We had a great time and it was my first time meeting him. He was a little bit quiet, but um, I mean, I, w- I was very impressed. Obviously, you know, I knew he was a, uh, an excellent hockey player, but it was the first time that I'd ever like, you know, been around him a lot on the ice. Cause I think I had maybe only played Columbus maybe once or twice. So not much and playing with him, I'm like, wow. I'm like this guy, I knew this guy was good, but I, I didn't know he was this good. So obviously when, when Columbus was an opportunity for me, I was like, man, it'd be awesome to play with Nasher again. Um, so that was one of the reasons why I signed with Columbus and uh, yeah, it, it was great. I mean, on the ice, I mean, it's, it, he was, it was amazing what he could do. I mean, how big he was, how fast he was, how strong he was, how good he was with the puck. I mean, there were some nights and shifts where, I mean, I still tell, you know, every once in a while, if I, I go do things now alumni wise, and you know, I get asked, you know, who was the best player you ever played with? And, you know, I mean, one of the perks of getting traded a million times is I got to play with a lot of really good players. I mean, Lidstrom, Niedermeyer, Stevens, again, goes on and on. Um, but I, a lot of the times, and I kind of mix it up. Sometimes I'll say a D man, but a lot of the times I say, you know what, you're probably not going to think of this, um, but I'm going to go with Rick Nash. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I seen Rick do some things in the ice. And one thing that really comes to mind for me is, you know, I'd be up on the right point and Rick would come up the boards with the puck and he would have the defenseman right on his ass. He'd have the forward that's supposed to cover me, but I'm not that big of a threat. He would jump down on Rick. Rick would go around him, take the puck. I'm wide open, but I'm like, Rick, you do your thing. I don't need that puck. You go right ahead. Take it around the top of the circles. And then he'd have the other forward coming down on him. And somehow he'd managed to get like a legit scoring opportunity. And I remember countless times just sitting at the blue line being like, wow, I mean, I can't believe how strong this guy is. So, I mean, on the ice speaks for himself, speaks for itself, sorry. And then, uh, you know, off the ice for me. And, and to be honest, uh, off the ice is why I'm flying in. I mean, Columbus isn't exactly on my way back to Calgary, but I really want to be, be there for Rick and, and you know, the majority of it is because of who he is off the ice. I, I really enjoyed Rick. Uh, some of my favorite times I sat right in front of him at the bus and he was quiet at first until Rick figured out that, hey, man, I'm just one of the guys. And and so then, you know, after a month or so, you know, he'd lean his head between the seats. Hey, you know, what's going on, this and that. And, and our friendship kind of blossomed from there. And, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to get back. I'm looking forward to get back to see Rick and, and celebrate his nights. I'm looking forward to getting back to Columbus, seeing the guys and seeing the city. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting weekend and a fun weekend for sure. It was interesting what you just said right there about how he had to learn that he was just one of the guys he breaks into the league at 18 years old, super talented. And, you know, he becomes a captain at a very young age, actually in the NHL, yeah. I guess there is, we don't think about those adjustments that guys like that have to make. Right. And, and then he's trying to figure out he's a regular guy. Plus he's got all of the pressure in the world on his shoulders because 
he is the Columbus Blue Jackets back at that time, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Like that's pressure that I mean, I I can just imagine. I can't speak to it because I never came close to having anything with a C on my chest at all. Um, but or breaking into the league at eighteen, and so yeah, I mean, he had a lot of pressure on him. Um, but Rick was one of those guys. Like uh, he was, like I said, he was quiet. And he let his, he wasn't a guy that was going to go rah, rah in the dressing room. And he wasn't a guy that was going to, you know, get into it with the coaching staff or whatever. Rick led by example. And, you know, a lot of, I've had a lot of, you know, part of the great things of getting traded around is you get to play for a lot of really good captains. And, you know, the, the best guys that I played with were also, they led by example, Rod Brindamore. I mean, Rod didn't say anything for me, I think, until three quarters of the way through the year wouldn't even talk to me I'm like oh man I gotta play better or something but when he did talk and when he finally did talk to me I mean and when he spoke in the room every once in a while people listened and that was that was what Rick was like in my opinion do you think the game's changed in that way I know it's changed a lot of ways but do you think that 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 way's changed that like what you just said well he's not talking to me I gotta pick it up I gotta do something I wonder if players still have that mindset yeah you know that that's an interesting question I mean I haven't been in an NHL locker room in a decade, so I can't sit here and say I know for sure. Um, I would guess it has changed. I, I know just from what I hear. I mean, you know, you know, back then it was, you know, we would we go out on the road and we go for dinner. Maybe we have a beer. Maybe we don't after a game or whatever. That was kind of how, you know, we bonded. Um and I don't think that really happens anymore from what I hear. I think it's, it's just different guys stay in. It's everything's on a phone now. And um, yeah, I would assume that has probably changed. Um, it'd be interesting. I, I would love to get back into an NHL locker room and just be a fly on the wall and just kind of see what it's like. Um, Cause I, I think you're right. I think things have changed a little bit. Yeah. I wonder if you would like it because you're right. The phones, the phones have changed everybody's lives, but I, yeah. I was just talking with somebody about this the other night in our game against New Jersey talking about, you know, the, uh, the fun times, the, the bonding times, actually it's, it's the bonding times that make this game great in my opinion. And I bet you're going to agree with that. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with that. I mean, I, it's the bonding times and it's, and it's the team stuff. Like, sure. I miss playing. Like when I'm in the arena, when I'm in the arena there this weekend watching the game and, and it's like, I go to the odd flames game up in Calgary. Like when I'm in the arena, I'm like, man, wish I was playing. Like I do miss playing hockey. But it's not the number one thing that I miss. What I miss are the guys. And I, I miss the, the going for dinners. And I miss the traveling and, and, and hanging out with the guys and, and the time in the locker room. And, and, that's, and I think that's pretty common for a lot of guys. But, yeah, that's what I miss. And, and I think some of that, like, has changed. Like, you know, I used to love, you know, the night before the game, you know, we'd go we'd sit down. There'd be five or six of us or whoever, whoever wanted to come sit down, have dinner, BS a little bit, go home early, play the next day. And, and that's the stuff that, uh, that I do really miss. I'm talking with former Blue Jackets defenseman Mike Commodore, who's coming in to watch Rick Nash's number 61 go to the rafters. Uh, you were talking about his personality, how great a player he was. He, when you were with him, uh, was there ever any doubt in your mind that this day would come, that his number would be retired in Columbus? No, not for me. Uh, to be honest, if it wasn't, I think I would have started making some noise on Twitter. So, uh, no, I, I thought. Uh-oh, now I wish it wasn't because I would have just liked to see what happened with that. 
just start <laughs> ripping the blue jackets. Uh, I better not do that. They're, they're nice enough to have me back and then give me a ticket to the game. I don't need to be ripping the blue jackets. But um, no, there was never any doubt. Uh, like like you said, I mean, for a long, long period of time, it, he was the Columbus Blue Jackets. When the Columbus Blue Jackets came into town, people were showing up to watch Rick Nash play. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's awesome. This will be the second Jersey retirement that, that I'm a part of. Um, the other one was Jerome Aginlas. And yeah, they're both very, very worthy. But like I said, Rick was, he was very deserving of it because of what he did on the ice and what he did in the community. Um, I'm showing up for that, but I'm also showing up mostly because of who he is as a person. I really enjoyed being around Rick. And that's why I'm getting on the red eye flight tonight, or flight tonight and flying to Columbus. <laughs> uh, now, how much do you appreciate that when you were here in Columbus, you were part of history because you were on that first team that ever made the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it was a long time coming and you guys had finally gotten there. I know it didn't go the way you wanted to when you got there into the playoffs, but just the fact yeah. you were able to achieve that. Yeah, it's one of my prouder moments for sure. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting for me. You know, it's been a long time, but it's going to be interesting for me emotionally walking into that building um, just because, in my opinion, my one big regret for myself and my career, the number one thing, my biggest regret is how things turned out in Columbus. Um, the first year was awesome. I'm very proud of that. I still remember us in Chicago when we took, I think we took the game to overtime and the one point was what we needed to clinch the playoff spot. And I still remember being on the ice and fist pumping. I'm very proud that we were able to do that. Um, so yeah, that'll definitely be cool. But yeah, it's, you know, and then from there, for me personally, things went downhill from there for various reasons. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend for me. I love the city of Columbus. I love the setup I had there. I, I, I loved it there. That's, People ask me, you know, just like, who's your favorite player? Well, where was your favorite place to play? And my answer is always Columbus. And they're like, really? I'm like, seriously. I'm like, I loved the city of Columbus. I had a blast there. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be, this is Rick's weekend, but for a few minutes for myself when I walk in there on Friday or Saturday night, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting feeling for me for sure. But I'm looking forward to it. Can you believe you're going to come back and Jake Voracek's going to be wearing a Blue Jackets uniform again, just like oh, back in the day? I can't wait to just boo him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's awesome. When he got traded back, you know, Jake's one of the guys, you know, I probably kept in touch regularly, you know, from the Blue Jackets with probably, I don't know, probably seven or eight, nine guys maybe. And, and Jake's one of them, definitely. We've kept in touch over the years. Uh, Jake and I were roommates his rookie year on the road. Uh, I, I think the world of Jake, I think he's had an incredible career when he got traded back to Columbus. I know he was excited. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch him. I, I think it's great. He is an awesome dude and it's good to see him back in Columbus. Well, you know, I did want to catch up with you before you got into Columbus, because when you come in, I want to let you enjoy all those things you said about, and then, you know, I didn't know if you would be hashtag in one or not. So I figured this would be better. This was probably a good call. I am going to try and ease into it a little bit, but if uh, when the guys get back together, I'm sure there's going to be, I should have, you know what? I, I'm, I'm ill prepared. I should have brought some t-shirts, some in one t-shirts for the fellows. Cause I think a few of them are going to need one. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, some of your more famous uh, hashtags, the trade deadlines coming up in a couple of weeks. Are you going back there again? 
I'm on the fence. You know what? I, I want to, um, but I got to be honest. It is a lot of work. It is, which is fine. I mean, I'm not scared of work, but yeah, I, I'm at a number now. I had to take last year off because I had a raging gout, which sounds so lame, but anybody now, who hasn't. I, had, I, I, I've been there. I can, I'll back you oh, on that. Awful. Okay. Thank God. The only people that understand are the people that have had it. And I'm like, I can't, I mean, I was hurting. And uh, yeah, I think I am going to get back into it. I'll see if my sources will uh, answer the phone or if I'm just going to have to kind of wing it. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get back into it. So you do work at it. It's not like you're just making stuff up all the time. Being completely honest, the first year I did it, I just literally, I, I sent out a couple text messages to friends of mine that like media or whatever. And I'm like, hey, send me anything. And if they didn't, like I, there was no, if I got it, I sent it. And I'd say about half of it, I just straight up made up at least half of it, actually, probably about 80% of it. But then the last couple of years, I think I did it four years because I think this year I'll have to get five trades. Um, the last couple of years, I was like working at it, like blowing guys up. And I was going through my phone. I'm like, who's in an organ? I was messaging general managers that are not messaging me back, obviously. And I'm pretty good buddies with Jimmy Rutherford from Carolina. And I'm good buddies with Ken Holland from Edmonton. So obviously they see my text message and they are not answering. Um, but yeah, I was literally putting some work into it. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Will you use the same hashtag? Because I love it. Oh yeah. Yeah, that same hashtag Stan. So for sure. Tell them to pack it and yep. it's time pack to go. Your, pack your, you know what? It's time <laughs> to go. They've seen enough. Get out of here. <laughs> I love, you know what I really like? I really like when you get it before other people. Like I, I, I like when you get one and it happens and it's like, oh, that must make I'm, you feel great. Oh, I get so fired up. Like the first, first or first year I did it and I got one right. I was, I mean, I literally, I was supposed to go play golf that day and I ended up kind of, I was here in Arizona at the time. And I was, you know, I just kind of fired out a couple of tweets. And then next thing you know, it's like three days later, I've been, haven't left my house. I've been on the phone the entire time other than when I'm sleeping. And when I finally got the first one, I was pumped. And next year I got two. And yeah, every time I have gotten one, I, I am fired up. Uh, I should probably get smarter about it and try and befriend somebody at the league office that works the, uh, they probably don't use fax machines anymore, but whatever they use. <laughs> That's probably the way I should do it, but this way is more fun. I think they do. I Don't they always say they're like faxing in these trades, even today? Like they, they say some I, of these things get backed up. How does that happen? Everything's instantaneous. How come you don't get reports until 345? I do not know. I have no idea. I've tried to figure this out. I'm like, how do these guys, they must have somebody. Because there's no way they're messaging general managers. And like, they're not going to answer. I wouldn't, unless they're like boys with these guys, then maybe a little bit. You know, you're Bob McKenzie of the world. They've been around forever, so they have relationships. I understand that. But I'm like, and they have to have somebody at the league office. I don't know how these things get backed up. Like, don't people scan and send? Or I'm not a tech guy, so I don't really know. But I, if, if they are using fax machines still, that's kind of sad. I don't know. I, I, I still hear I that's a, The only time I hear the word fax is on trade deadline day. That's a, good, so, that's a great point. I, I never hear I, it. I, nothing other than that. I don't see that or carrier pigeon. Maybe they're still back to that. I, I can't tell you. It might be. Yeah, a little archaic. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to that. I, I always find it enjoyable. One of the greatest things right around that trade deadline day is watching your predictions because they, they're entertaining. And like I said, when they're dead on, then it's even more entertaining. So, uh, hey, at least you, you got – I know you got lots of fans out there, but I'm telling you, here's one of them. Thank you. I appreciate that. When I first started doing it, 
right at the beginning, I was like, ah, I'm like, you know, I don't want to piss guys off. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, some, most of these guys, I don't know. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I went through this stuff. So I'm like, I feel like, I mean, I went through it. If I want to make a little fun of it, it's okay. And then when I started doing it, like some of the guys' wives got into it, like in a good way. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, these guys know I'm just joking around anyway. So I got the green light. Uh, well, Mike, thanks for taking a couple of minutes for me. Thanks for talking about Rick. And uh, can't wait to see you back at Nationwide Arena. I hope you enjoy every minute of it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to seeing you, Bobby. That is former Blue Jackets defenseman Mike Commodore. I'll tell you what, I had more fun with this show today than I've had with many shows that I've done. And that's just what this entire weekend is going to be. It's going to be fun. It's going to be about renewing old acquaintances. It's going to be about telling old stories. And I'm glad that I was able to bring some of those stories to you on this show. I know it was much longer than 30 minutes, but sometimes you just have to do it. Sometimes 30 minutes just isn't enough especially when you have something going on for the first time in franchise history, like retiring the number of Rick Nash. Again, the weekend starts tonight. The Los Angeles Kings are here at Nationwide Arena to take on the Blue Jackets. The game gets underway at 7 o'clock this evening. We've got pregame coverage starting at 6.30, both on the Blue Jackets radio network and on Bally Sports Ohio. Then tomorrow, the Boston Bruins are in town. Make sure that you're in your seat by 5.30 in the afternoon. The ceremony will start at 5.45. The game will get underway at 7.30 tomorrow night. And that whole presentation tomorrow is being brought to you by Ohio Health and also Nationwide Insurance. And I want to tell you, if you can't make it out, maybe you're working tomorrow, maybe you're driving, whatever the case may be, we will have the entire ceremony live on the Blue Jackets radio network will come on at 5.30 tomorrow afternoon. So you'll be able to uh, catch the audio of it if you can't get in front of your TV or if you can't be at Nationwide Arena. We'll do that, and then we'll have the game. And then, as I said, on Monday, it'll be a long weekend. It's kind of like a four-day weekend, right? Or is it a three-day weekend? Ah, three-day weekend. Whatever, three, four, who cares? If you're counting Friday, then it's it doesn't matter. The Maple Leafs will be here on Monday night at 7 o'clock to wrap things up. I'm so excited. I hope you can hear it. I really am truly excited about what's going to transpire here over the next couple of days, and I'm really looking forward to the Blue Jackets continuing to play that good brand of hockey we've seen in the last couple of weeks that has them legitimately being discussed in the playoff race in the Eastern Conference. Again, I want to thank Mike Commodore, Pascal LeClaire, and George Matthews for joining me today. As always, Thanks to you for being there. That's going to do it for this edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.